Hello and welcome to the High Performance Nursing Podcast with me, your host Liam Caswell. Join me as we lean in, get curious and take strategic and meaningful action to build our high performance nursing careers. Hello and welcome to another episode of High Performance Nursing. Thanks for joining us today. I have an awesome guest with us today, fabulous guest. We have Lauren Bell here with us. Hi, Lauren. How are you? Hi, Liam. Hi. It's so good to be here. Thank you so much for your time. I'm super grateful for you coming on to the podcast. Uh, Let's do an introduction. So Lauren is a wealth mindset coach, thought leader, international speaker, and co-author of the Anxiety Relief Handbook. Lauren has 30 years as a registered nurse and 16 years as a holistic therapist. Lauren delivers high-impact transformational coaching that clears self-doubt, anxiety, and inner blocks so that you can reimagine your wealth to allow, attract, and enjoy all aspects of wealth and confidence and sorry, with confidence and charisma. She coaches caring professionals worldwide in her Love Your Extraordinary Life workshops and programs. Lauren, yeah. I love your work. Thank you so much for everything that you do. Tell us a little bit about what's got you to this point. I'm um, over the last kind of 30 years, you know, it's quite a shift from nursing you know, into holistic therapies and coaching. What triggered that for you? Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, I'm still nursing. I still do do a bit of nursing, but um, I've always loved the idea of being as well as you can be. And so I trained public hospital and, you know, to go any further, we really needed to go on and get a, a, you know, a bachelor. And I didn't want to do a nursing bachelor. So I went and did health promotion. So already I was starting to think about, you know, what else can I do to help us to be um, the best that we can be and always have had this holistic view of health and so just throughout always alongside my nursing I started studying uh, complementary therapies things like I did Reiki and then I the big turning point for me was when I started doing body talk which is an energy healing modality it's about consciousness work and it's sort of allowing that our body is always telling us what's going on in different ways. So I did that and I was starting to have lots of clients coming through and then I thought, okay, well, and they were telling me all their issues and their problems and I was thinking, well, I need to find out a bit more and make sure I'm not doing anything wrong by these people. So I went and studied counselling and so I'm a qualified counsellor as well but in the meantime I went on and did a postgrad in uh, anaesthetics and recovery and that's the area that I work now but before that I'd done sort of 20 years as in renal in dialysis and that type of thing so I've always had these two career paths sort of going alongside and in some ways I didn't really let them both meet I was sort of had one foot in one camp and you know in my western medical side and then the other side was my more sort of holistic spiritual you know consciousness healing side and I wasn't really being very true to myself but eventually actually that sort of was when I ended up going through a burnout period and 
through that burnout, I was sort of really checked in with, well, what's really going on for me? Why? Why? You know, where am I? What am I doing? Am I happy? And getting really, really honest actually showed me that this keeping myself separate and not being authentic and real was really hurting me. And also, I was very stuck in the um, the way that I had to earn money, the way, you know, I was had been working at the same workplace for seven years and I was thinking, okay, I'm going to get some long service leave because I hadn't been able to accrue it since, you know, early in my career when I went stopped and had children. And anyway, all of these ways that I thought I had to work, that I had to have a full-time job, you know, that was sort of holding me back. But then the burnout just happened. And, you know, when you're in it, you actually don't know until you hit a critical point. So I end up leaving that workplace, going back, completing my uh, counselling degree and then doing nine months of counselling placement in a secondary school in the wellbeing department. It led a few things. One was bringing in the counselling and the holistic therapy. So by this stage I'd started doing EFT, which is also called tapping, and I use that all the time now. Being in the wellbeing department, Every night after work, uh, after our day of counselling, we would all get together and do a debrief. And it could have been, you know, what do you need for self-care? What's unfinished? What do you need follow-up with? You know, just anything we would bring. And it was amazing. We only did 15, 20 minutes. But I could not believe how cared for I felt. And I kept saying to them, oh, my God, you know, I can't believe how much you all look out for each other. I mean, it was the wellbeing department. But they were like, Lauren, you work in a hospital, you're a nurse, like surely. And I said, no, this isn't, hasn't been my experience at all. Mm. So that was an interesting part of it. But what actually then progressed really was that nursing and counselling was sort of helping people to come back to normal, you know, to be sort of normal health. But I then love the idea of coaching to bring out the extraordinary. So moving you from ordinary to extraordinary and really loving your life in that way. And so that's how I got Love Your Extraordinary Life programs and how I use coaching now to help people. And the reason I use wealth is because our wealth is a direct reflection of how much we are valuing ourselves. How much do we think we are worthy and I can tell you that for a lot of heart-centered professionals like nurses um, and, and other caring professionals that are sort of so busy doing for everyone else, their actual sense of their self-worth is actually quite low. Wow. Like I, there is so much in there. There's so <laughs> much in there that I want to draw out, but I'll pick a few things. Firstly, I, lo I love the work that you're doing. Secondly, um, the idea of that portfolio career, you know, that one foot in one camp, one foot in the other, I think is becoming more prominent in healthcare. And I think there's a lot of work that, you know, of course, you know, yourself that I'm doing, uh, yourself, you're doing to help people realize that that's okay. That yes. it's, it's normal. It's, it's, you know, I talk about being a multi-passionate clinician, you've got lots of different things that light you up. So follow them, pursue them and realize that nursing does not have to just be that job that you work, you know, 
seven till three thirty, or you do your night shifts and you've got to take those extra shifts there because that's your main income source start building you know different streams of income and explore that for yourself because the world's your oyster right yeah totally and i think you're exactly right you need to be following your passion and there's been times in my nursing career that i was definitely very passionate you know when i first went into renal and I, you know i studied a postgrad in renal and so that was you know immersed myself in all of that and then when i swapped over and did anesthetics and recovery and i guess that's the truth for me i'm a lifelong learner and i'll keep exploring different ways but it, I have to be passionate about it. I got to a point where it was like I'm not going to another renal conference or even an anaesthetic conference because it's just the same thing. Like it's so we're continually reinventing ourselves, I think, in some ways. But following your heart, following your passion. And now, of course, I look back and I can see how everything, mm. has, the, the dots, you know, has been joined up. And um, I only heard this quote again today. Um, Bill Gates, I think that you know you can't. You can see your life in retrospect. You can see how the dots join. Oh, I'm really butchering this quote, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like you can look in hindsight and you can see how oh, I did that and that led to this. Or when I studied this, why later on when I was teaching teaching workshops, how that led to it, you know. And mm -hmm. then I actually had a, a role in education as well and was teaching, you know, ALS and other parts which then gave me more credibility when I started teaching sort of more holistic work because I felt like, well, hang on, I've done the sort of the academic sort of side, the nursing clinical side, and I've also done these more holistic therapy sides. I can do anything. I really, so yeah, a lot of it's just been that confidence to follow my passion and actually see how it can align up. And, and the more that that, the more that I, allow that and open into it you know the more opportunities are coming and it's it's exciting it's so exciting and i think we do cap our own potential you know we're our own worst critics at times um and you know i see that a lot in coaching with nurses when we're going through you know job applications career coaching oh i worked as you know i worked in, in mcdonald's for three years that's not relevant well it's part of your journey and it is it's what makes you unique it's customer yeah. service it's sales it's dealing with conflict um but we tend to kind of just shove that to the side a little bit and, and kind of bypass it but it's so interesting when you look back to see how important those steps are in your journey i think that's really powerful to acknowledge for the listeners um, I wanted to pick up on the the sense of self-worth relating to wealth. Yes. Talk to us a little bit about that. Okay. So, yeah, so I call myself a wealth mindset coach or even a worth mindset coach. So it's really basically wealth is a metaphor for, for what's going on in our life. And when we use wealth to look at what's going on, it actually shows us our limiting beliefs, our self-doubts, perhaps traumas or things that have happened in the past that are actually impacting how we're performing in current day. So, you know, our current worth is really reflected in our world around us. So, you know, where you're living, um, how hard you're working, whether or not you give yourself any time off, whether you just keep soldiering on, you know, how your self-care is, all of those things are actually part of your worth. And what I've noticed with many nurses is they measure their self-worth by what they do. And so my work is very much about 
recognize how valuable you are, how unique you are and how amazing you are. And just the fact that you're a human being for a start, but the fact that also that you're, you know, heart centered and caring, like that's such an amazing gift that a lot of people in the world actually don't even have that. Mm. But as a nurse, most people don't even recognize that that's anything. And they so what you were saying, they don't recognize the value of themselves and and I think that really reflects. And, you know, you hear things like people say, oh, I'm just a nurse or I'm, you know, just a, a mother or I'm just a housewife or I'm just a teacher. Or often it's those roles where we're really caring for others that we don't even see the value in that. But then the opposite part of that is that they're also measuring their worth by what they do instead of just having that innate awareness and value of self anyway. Mm. That is so interesting. And I think I can 100% relate to that just in our sentence, because I'm sure we're all guilty at some point of using that. And I actually recently met a bunch of new people pre-lockdown that, uh, you know, we were going around the room and we were introducing ourselves. And I went to the good old, oh, hi, I'm Liam. And I'm like, I didn't say it just, maybe I did, but I'm just a nurse. I'm a nurse, full stop. And it was really fascinating because everybody else in the room was like, oh, hi, I'm David and I'm an actor, I'm a podcaster, I'm a coach, I'm a, you know, I'm a son, I'm a father, I'm a cyclist. And I just, I had one of those aha moments where I just went, wow, like I'm truly identifying as a nurse. Yeah. Full stop. Um, But there was so much more to me. And, And that's, you know, something that I think we're both passionate about is recognizing when you need to do a bit of the inner work and, you know, making sure that we actually take those steps to do the inner work as nurses. So how do you help nurses, you know, kind of see their full potential? Like what steps can people take to start unleashing, you know, their extraordinary self? I, I heard something today that actually was the best description of, of what goes on for me. And it was talking about, <laughs> it was talking about 3D world um, into 5D world. Now, I don't know whether that this is even, but this is new. To me, this is what's going on in the world. And 3D world is all about us being a human being and living. But basically, we're recognizing that we're separate from each other. And it is the world of duality, of you know, the haves and the have-nots or Mm. the hot and the cold or, you know, it's how we experience life. But it's also where we feel separate from each other, from ourself, from our, you know, source or whatever you like to call it. And you think about it too, it's also this judgment of men and like, you know, gender and race and countries and everything is separate But what happens is we get to a point where things, you know, maybe there's a divorce or a death or a disease or something that makes us go, what is going on? And for me, it was sort of that burnout journey where you question and go, there's got to be more than this. This can't be all. And that's when we enter into a transformation stage. And that's the sort of coaching I do is transformational work, which is using healing modalities and using those other things to gain self-awareness as to where we really are, who we really are. And so things like 
yeah, healing modalities, personal development, vision boards, or, you know, any of those things, law of attraction, those things that are to try and create, to help us put, to take on some responsibility and actually create a different life. So that's sort of fourth dimension. And then moving into fifth dimension is actually this heart-centeredness, knowing that we're one, that love is the most important thing. That's why as caring professionals, in lots of respects, we're already able to do that. But uh, it's moving into knowing that actually you are amazing, magnificent and a creator and that you can have abundance in life. You can have abundance in health, in wealth, in opportunities and in career and we don't have to be stuck into these rigid ways of earning money or operating or, you know, only being a nurse like you were identifying before. Yeah, it's um, it's that conditioning, isn't it? Like we've all kind of been conditioned throughout life to get to this point whereby you you we've all bought into the scarcity mindset, you know, we and it's almost like we need to kind of unpack that and start seeing our full potential, doing that inner work, exploring your curiosities and your passions, so that you can give yourself the opportunity to be the best version of yourself. Yeah, totally. Look, I think we're actually born to go through the separation and to go through to start realizing actually hang on a sec we're so much more connected and connection is one of my greatest values you know and I guess I've always had this knowing that we're all connected that you know life is connected and so for me it's just been very natural it's, it's it, when I finally I had um uh, Gallup poll I think it was one of those like a Maya Briggs type mm. of strengths and when connection came through as my number one strength, I was like, oh, thank you. <laughs> that explains everything that's been going on in my life. But truly it is that we do, we're sort of born into this world and we do feel completely separate. And as we start to unravel that and let go of all of these things that are keeping us separate and understand that we are a lot more connected with each other, that people are very similar. We all want the same thing really, which is love and acceptance and to just be appreciated for who we really are. Um, and once we can move out of judging other people, which really is a reflection of us, how much we're judging ourselves. you know, that inner critic that we were talking about before. So yeah, it's, it's part of, being a human being and it's meant to be a joyful journey it's not meant to be so hard and so painful i think um i heard something this week on a podcast i listened to brooke castillo's the life coach school and i love her work and she talks about the fact that we're all looking for this smooth linear path and we think that you know in a nursing context let's use graduates you know we're, for three years you're told you need to land a graduate program to succeed as a nurse but that couldn't be further from the truth. And, you know, what she was acknowledging was that, you know, even though she's had a highly successful career, I'm in life coaching, that, you know, 50, 40, 50% of her life is still struggle. But it's a happy, joyful, loving struggle because she's done the inner work. She's, she's looped within. She's identified her values. She's aware of her strengths. You know, she's aware of her areas for growth and development. Um, and I think that that's just something awesome that you bring to the nursing world that is just a missing part, because I think we've talked about this before in previous discussions that 
I also went through burnout. I think I've been through a few episodes of burnout and just haven't really acknowledged them. And the theme throughout was that feeling of, uh, like, am I worthy? Um, I feel like a high performer. I feel like I'm doing my job really well. But actually what I'm kind of seeing and hearing external to myself is that I'm not. But when I started doing the inner work, you know, working with psychologists, working with a coach, I realized that a lot of it was that kind of inner saboteur, that inner critic, that story that I was telling myself. And there was no truth to it. And that's really confronting for people. So how do you help people? How do you, how do you work with nurses when they have that realization that like, sometimes it's actually, we do this to ourselves? <laughs> well, well, I think we do do it to ourselves, but, but really what we're doing is we're shining a light of awareness. So it's just consciousness raising. So once it becomes conscious, well, then it's, it's conscious. Like we can't, hide it anymore so it can become a choice so we can start to see some of our limiting beliefs and things that we're just we've just adopted a lot of these beliefs because of you know our family of origin or certain situations or things that we've made mean about ourselves as human beings we are meaning making machines that's how we sort of work out who we are and how we are in the world so we're always making things mean so you know someone spoke to me that way well that means she doesn't like me well Mm. is that really true or was she thinking about something else or did she just have a fight with her partner or whatever you know it's we make it all up about us because we can only come from our own experience so starting to do the own inner work so i use eft as a tool for tapping Mm. because what that does is it helps us to become really aware of what's going on and it gives us a way of being able to reduce the stress and feel so much calmer. And there's something about saying the words that we have going around and around on a recorder in our mind and actually speaking them out loud and especially when we're tapping as well, we're calming the nervous system and there's this validation of like, oh, my God, this is what I say. But at the same time, when we release the stress around it, it just like shifts and it just shifts out of our body. That's mm. why they call it emotional freedom. Mm. And so having a tool that allows you to look at these parts that can be confronting means that you can start to become really curious about them and not feel like you're going to go down some rabbit hole and never come out again. I think that's you need to have that safety there that, okay, I can explore this. Why did I react when when she said that or he said that? You know, why was I triggered? What's going on for me? Mm-hmm. And then when we do that work and we release that trigger, well, then next time this, it doesn't happen. And so the more and more work we do, the easier and easier it gets. It doesn't mean that it's not going to happen in life. There's a quote, another quote I want to I want to use, but it's something along the lines of life is pain, but struggling is optional, you know, and it's not struggling. I think it's a stronger it's, word than that. Suffering, suffering yeah. is optional. I yeah. love that. Yeah, that's so, so powerful. I think just picking up on that, something that I did when, I went to I went to Brene Brown's Dare to Lead course and it was phenomenal. Loved it. Um, everybody should get to one of those courses. Uh, but we had to write a letter to a friend who was um, having a rough time, and they were you know having all that inner self talk, and uh, we had to write a letter to them, tell them how amazing they were, and then we had to flip it 
and put our name in their space. And it just was just a simple little you know, task. But uh, it was just really interesting, that shift in how then it felt when you were talking it out loud about yourself. And, and it's that good old, you know, we don't talk to other people the way we talk to ourselves. Right. Um, and we never would do that, you know. So we've, I, for one, I'm hyper, hyper critical of the things that I do. And that's something that I've been looking at over the years. And I think I see it in a lot of colleagues. I see it in a lot of my peers. Um, and, you know, there, there are ways out of that, definitely through coaching, through mediums like healing EFT, uh, to take control of that and to be a bit kinder to ourselves. Yeah, totally. I think a lot of high performing people have a really strong inner critic, you know, in fact, it's been documented. Mm. And a lot of it is about perfectionism. And I didn't recognize myself as a perfectionist. But I knew that I had high ideals, you know, which is now I see it as a form of perfectionism. But I just wanted to achieve so much, you know, in my nursing career and how I was going to, you know, change this and fix that and, and, when I was starting to recognize that actually I wasn't achieving that, that's when I went into burnout because I started to get really demotivated and, you know, disillusioned and I was putting so much pressure on myself and every every part of my life was suffering. You know, my relationships at work, I wasn't speaking up and sharing what was going on. I was coming home and being, you know, intolerant with my kids and, and, you know, I hated that. I, and so then I was judging myself because I felt like I was failing in every part of my life. And yet so much of it was this inner critic and this high standard that I really was holding myself to that I probably hold other people to in some ways. That's often the case when we have a strong inner critic. We do have high standards that we apply to others, but we can be so cruel and often we will be more kind to others than we will be ourselves mm. like we don't ever let ourselves off the hook you know you should have known better you should have done it sooner you know and we never celebrate one of the things in my coaching the wealth coaching is about celebrate every single step of progress because usually we finish something and we either just move on don't don't even acknowledge it or we criticize it and say well i should have finished it sooner or i should have done more preparation or whatever it is or we just go, oh, my God, there's more, like I can't celebrate, there's just too many things to do and we're just, you know, tick, 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 do, do, do and just keep going. So, yeah. It's a vicious cycle, isn't it? It's that kind of victim mindset, that, that kind of blame mentality and it just goes round and round and round. And I think, you know, I think I was in that for a few years, to be honest. I think I went through that for a few years and coming out of that you just think god like i thought everybody else was a problem but i did i needed to do that work so it's super powerful if you're listening and that relates um you know start doing the work seek out some help and support you know um i actually think that's really once again this is part of consciousness this is our being in a victim or being powerless and having everything happening to you is it's like the first stage. Mm. And as we start to wake up in a way, that's when we can start to take responsibility. And in my trainings and in my even in my free webinars and things, I teach a bit about how to start taking 100% responsibility for your life and what's going on. And, you know, for example, even with COVID, um, you know, you might say, well, I can't be 
100% responsible for that. But what we can be responsible with is how, how am I reacting? You know, what's my behavior around it? You know, what am I making it mean for me? And so that just puts us, instead of being in a victim place, mm. into a place of empowerment. And, you know, when you're empowered, you actually feel quite different. It's a very different energy. And so... For all those reasons, and often there's things we can learn. What did I do? What did I do that contributed to that situation? You know, what could I do differently next time? And so for me, that was the big thing, the taking on responsibility for myself and actually recognising, you know, what I needed to do in terms of my self-care, in terms of uh, what I did to contribute to the burnout where I wasn't speaking up and wasn't looking after myself, wasn't reaching out for help. Uh, all of those things, you know, didn't have that awareness. And I'm not judging myself for that. That was just where I was at at the time. And as I, you know, the pain caused me to turn inward and actually say, well, what's going on? Because, and I'm sure people have heard this before, you know, they might have been in uh, relationship after relationship after relationship or job after job after job. And there's always these things that are not right. Well, what's the common denominator there? It's actually, you know, yourself. You're the one who's gone to job, job, job or relationship, relationship, relationship. So therefore, you need to look at yourself. And yep. it's actually exciting. Like once you get over that sort of first bit of judgment and the hurt that it actually is there, and I must say that taking that responsibility was like a bitter pill to swallow because mm. I was so busy being over-responsible for everyone else, wanted to fix everyone else, you know, do help, heal, rescue, whatever. Everybody else could see what they needed to do, but when I actually took it on for myself, it hurt to do it. Mm. But it was like, you know, it felt like the phoenix that came through the fire on the other side because <laughs> <laughs> that's where the freedom came and that's what I teach in my yeah. programs. You are speaking to my soul at the moment because <laughs> literally that is the journey that I have been on. And, you know, I think a lot of people listening will be at different stages in that journey. Maybe they're just about to embark on that journey. And I think it's that whole responsibility piece around taking responsibility for yourself. Um, the job hopping, like I am a chronic job hopper slash job gypsy. Like I love moving around. I framed it a lot because there's two kind of prongs to it where I love change and I loved challenge and being a high performer, you know, I was kind of like, Oh, I'm going to push myself because uh, I had a vision. But the other side of it was always like, there was always an undertone of like, Oh, this manager did that or this happened. When in fact, it was just so important for me to start looking at what was in my circle of influence. What can I influence within, you know, myself, I day to day. And then looking at that circle of concern and going, that is external to me. It's I can't do anything about that. Yeah. Um, and one thing that comes to mind, just to give people kind of context listening, is when I was a nurse manager, and I'm sure, Lauren, you have lots of stories like this, I was like verbally confronted by a relative for about two hours in, in a kind of ad hoc meeting. And it was fascinating because it was the first time that I had done the work I uh, was sitting there and Liam, you know, two years ago would have been in reactive mode, protecting my 50 staff because they work bloody hard. But I sat there, I listened, I leaned in, I got curious and did not take on the burden. And like you say, you feel like a phoenix. It, it's transformational. It's empowering. Yeah. 
because yeah. it does not serve me to sit there for two hours seething that this person is, you know, ripping my ward apart and my team. In fact, I just found the opportunities for change. Um, and it, it's really, really transformative. It's so empowering. Yeah, it's yeah. such an empowering process. So that's so beautiful because, you know, like you said, you could see the opportunities for change and also you're seeing that other person just in their pain. Mm. That you know, they're coming from their pain, their story, their they're hurting for their relative and all of those things. And so, you know, a bit like I always think of a, a puppy, a cute little puppy or that's in fear will lash out, you know. Yeah. It, that's that's what we do until we no more yeah yeah it's it's so empowering and I guess that's the power of coaching right that's the power of coaching and I think we both agree on this point that there's a huge gap in in nursing around coaching uh, and mentorship and just proactive clinical supervision Uh, we've talked about this a few times on the podcast Uh, what do you think are some of the barriers for coaching within the nursing workforce why do you think we're not doing it Yeah, it's interesting, really, because, you know, in counselling and psychology and those places, they have supervision. I mean, that's a mandatory uh, thing that that we need to do. And yet it would be so good. I mean, even that debriefing type of thing that I said um, that we experienced when I was doing counselling in the school at the end of the day to finish off. You know, imagine if we could have that part of our work day. But the truth is we're so behind we're so short staffed that you know people are working back I mean no one's going to want to stay any longer Mm. but if that was all factored in as part of our care I think that would be just an amazing thing I just I don't know why it's never been done that mentorship I mean in terms of coaching I mean coaching is a relatively new in Australia you know it hasn't been adopted as much as certainly like in the states where they've been seeking therapy for you know Mm. decades and so coaching was a progression because to do to be better at anything we do better with a coach you know just like if you want to be better at tennis you go and have a tennis coach I mean Roger Mm. Federer still has a tennis coach because they see the blind spots and the idea of a coach is to move you forward towards your dreams and help you to get there sort of so much more quickly and it's about you doing your own work still they're just asking their questions and helping you to see things that you haven't seen before that raising consciousness that we Mm. talked about Mm. so I don't know why we haven't been doing it but I think that's a big gap and certainly for people's well-being for nurses well-being for improving the standards in the industry about our self-care and certainly cultures and things like that. I think that, you know, that's a big area that could be really brought in and worked on. Mm-hmm. There's such a gap. And I think, like you say, there's just such scope for us to improve morale, culture, sustainability of the career. Cause at the moment it's not an overly sustainable career for, you know, in a decade upon decade, uh, I, it's, it takes its toll. So I think that we need to have we need to be having a conversation uh, about this at a much much higher level, um, and we need some advocacy and some kind of media representation around it. And maybe after COVID or during COVID, we're seeing you know we're seeing nurses coming to the forefront and they're talking on you know the project and uh, on you know large media forums and advocating for change, which is really um, important. Yeah, and, and I think, and that's why I think 
doing the inner work is so important because the outer problem is huge and to actually tackle it from the outside in is is too hard at the moment. Mm. But the more that we have aware, confident nurses who value themselves completely, who are not who are gonna say no to, you know, just being railroaded and made to feel responsible and all of these things that it's not really true. You know, people, nurses need to value themselves a lot more so that the organisations and and the industry values them so much more. You know, they say they do, it's token, but, you know, it's not reflected. It's not reflected in our pay and that's once again why I do wealth coaching because, like I was before, this idea of having to work so many hours, the only way you can get ahead as a nurse if you want to get more money is to do another shift. And they're already exhausted. They're already working overtime. So to do that just is not sustainable. And nurses are leaving. They're leaving to go and do, well, at the moment, a lot of them are doing vaccinations and uh, swabbing and, you know, injectable cosmetics because there's more money in it. And I think you said it earlier mm. before we talked about how wealth for nurses, but a lot of nurses don't identify with wanting to earn more. They, don't, they say that it's not part of the why they chose. And I totally agree with that. But I still think we really are wanting to have more, to be paid more, to be more recognized by how much money we earn. And the truth is really, I think most people do want to earn more money, but we feel guilty about mm. I earn more, well, you know, who's missing out or someone else hasn't got it or that's not what really, I'm not really driven by by that. But it's more about understanding what money does for you, which is usually some sort of freedom. You know, maybe you can spend more time with the family. Maybe you could get a cleaning lady mm. into, or man into, um, you know, clean your house or cook a meal or whatever it is to free up some of your time so that you can spend your time more wisely in that work-life balance or or take yourself for a holiday. I mean, <laughs> it's a bit hard at the moment. What's that, but... Lauren? I <laughs> know. <laughs> uh, gosh, I can't wait for a holiday. <laughs> I know, I know. It, well, we'll need some money for that, definitely. But uh, we've yes. been saving for the last year, so we're like, you know, so much money sitting there ready for a big holiday when we finally can. But you're, you're, you're on the money there, excuse the pun. Um <laughs> You know, we we do have a culture where we're just a bit kind of scared to talk about money. And I think also nurses have a bit of a block when it comes to investing in themselves. Uh, you know, in Australia, the salary here is pretty good compared in comparison to the UK where I've come from. And it does amaze me that people aren't overly keen to invest in themselves, um, you know, for coaching or for uh, professional development courses, things like that. And I think it's a really uh, interesting thing to to explore because ultimately we, we need to be growing, developing, you know, to become the better versions of ourselves. And like you say, often that comes through working with a coach or working with someone to help you see your potential. And then the, the thing that actually I think probably the gap or where people haven't connected the dots is that by investing in a coach you actually can then earn more money like mm. so you get a return on investment so so many people do my program I've got a it's called reimagine your wealth 
and it is all about being able to allow attract and enjoy your wealth more rather than feeling guilty about it and people then will go for jobs that they hadn't thought of before or it just allows money to come in in different ways because we get very caught up in the only way that we can earn money is by doing it this way and when I left and started doing uh, my counseling degree I ended up changing the way that I worked and I ended up tripling my nursing income and I work a lot less now and I'm very very careful to value where I work and how much I work for and you know if I go to a place and and I don't like the culture I don't like the way that they treat their staff I say no I'm not going there so And I think, you know, I, I look at other people who've lost even evening shift allowances and it makes me really angry. But that's because they're not valuing themselves and recognising that the workplace needs them. It's actually for both. It's not we just have the power. needing. Yeah. It's not mm. just the nurses needing the jobs. And so, you know, they bring in an enterprise bargaining agreement and they say, oh, well, there's no evening shift allowance or we're pushing the start time the uh, start time of the mm. evening shift allowance back. And the nurses have signed off on it because they haven't felt empowered enough to stick together and say, no, we're actually not going to accept this. You know, I'd rather leave. There's that much work out there for nurses. I would rather leave if you're not going to honour this. I mean, it costs $50,000 or so to recruit a new nurse. Mm -hmm. I think that they might just continue to pay an evening shift allowance of $30 per shift or whatever it is for the nurses that that they've got there. And what about paying some money for retaining the nurses that they've got? You know, some Mm -hmm. of those types of things. I think it does come, it really does for me. I'm very passionate about us seeing our value. So, and then, and then, commanding it commanding that value commanding that respect and feeling more confident about it and that's the work Mm. that i do Mm. yeah it's really it's uh, that whole idea of a portfolio career as a nurse there's never been a better time or better opportunity to do that um and like yourself i do that currently i don't have a, a set position and you know i work with the universities facilitating a mark for the universities I don't step into a clinical environment as a nurse at the moment and I'm making the same amount of money that I was as a nurse unit manager with 50 staff, 30 patients and oodles of stress and worry and anxiety and people are clocking on to that and I think, you know, I think there's going to be a big shift and, you know, we've talked about this before in the US, there's huge shifts around this um, where they're paid reasonably well but they're now getting paid immense amounts of money because lots of nurses are just doing what they call travel nursing, which here is agency. And uh, why wouldn't you? Why why shouldn't you do that? Um, I think when we've got a more you know, empowered and, and um, consciously aware workforce, we're going to have major shifts in, in what it looks like. Yeah, I agree. And, and I think that's exactly right. It does come down to valuing yourself and feeling confident, which takes a bit of time. I mean, you know, I am 30 plus years as a nurse. And so it, it's, I do a lot of it so easily. Um, but when you're still coming up through the ranks and sort of learning your way, you still have to recognize how valuable you really are. And, you know, I think training, that's the other thing too. You know, a lot of the private hospitals, 
I love that they give graduate programs for the for the graduates that are coming through, but they're more about getting the work done as opposed to actually really offering a proper training program. Now, well, that's certainly that's my opinion, and and that's what I've experience when I've spoken to some young graduates that just I mean they don't recognize how they're not being supported as perhaps they would have been if they were in say a public hospital system and you know they're just not aware because they haven't had that experience but I sort of see that they're not being supported by management and I you know, I'd hate to be that middle management role, really. And I was listening to one of your earlier podcasts, which was talking about that middle management role is so hard because you want to advocate for your patients and your your staff, and yet you've got management, you know, breathing down your neck for all your KPIs and things to meet. And I was always much more inclined to be looking after my staff and my colleagues and my patients as well. So as soon as the pressure came on that way, I was just like, no, nah, I'm not interested in doing this. Mm, it's really hard. And there's a shift, I think, a lot of people don't want to do that. There's nurse unit manager jobs that are sitting out there empty <laughs> because they can't fill them. Because in all reality, when I, coming from Canberra recently, I compare with, you know, APS government and what we, you know, what we make in, in nursing, you can sit in a government role in a senior, you know, equivalent position and manage two people on the same amount of money. Whereas a nurse you're managing 50 people plus 20 allied health plus 30 patients plus 30 relatives. Uh, it's just immense. You know, the, yeah. the, there needs to be a shift there. It needs to be more enticing for people. And I think money is one way to do that. Yeah, I think so too. And, um, you know, it was, it came up in a, there was a post um, on LinkedIn and was around that retaining, I think, or uh, offering $6,000 for nurses over in the WA um, to get new nurses to come in, you know, which then sort of there was a bit, few discussions on that post and, you know, part of it is about, well, how about offering retaining, Mm -hmm. you know, amounts, you know, offering that to some of your own staff. But also, I've got a very clever friend who was a nurse manager and she always advocated that staff your ward with 80% of your own staff and then fill up the 20% with, you know, casual or agency nurses. When your staff want anything, any, any annual leave, any, you know, any leave, you give it to them and you meet their needs because, you know, you let's face it, most nurses, you give them a little bit, they're going to give you a lot back. And mm-hmm. so she would meet their needs as soon as they wanted something, she, she, would, they, she would say yes, and she would have the backup staff filling it. And so what happened was they used those regular staff on a regular basis, so they had this great relationship between, so the staff that were coming in knew the place, the current staff worked and they all valued each other because the regular staff there also recognized what a role that these fill-in staff were doing and helping them with because they were getting what they needed that's such a good idea yeah if only every workplace could be like that hey <laughs> um you know running a nursing business or run a nursing you know small business is it's exciting we get to do great things like this You've done some amazing things. Uh, one of them that I wanted to talk about was co-authoring a book. Uh, so the Anxiety Relief Handbook. Tell us about that. That's so exciting. Yes. Yeah, so it is about looking at anxiety and using complementary therapies to look at anxiety, basically. And so I 
did it from a coaching perspective and I my chapter's called Release Professional Anxiety to Unleash Your Greatness and it is about the anxiety that we face in our workplaces which is to do with things like the perfectionism and high standards but it's also to do with you know how we're performing in the roles our ambitions how much money we're earning what our dreams and our goals and things like that are so anything around those types of things that actually causes anxiety and I never ever actually used to say that I had anxiety and I think um, I don't think many nurses do I think nurses respond to feeling stressed mm. and perhaps overwhelmed um, but the truth is I actually think that anxiety is so much more common or, or stress or overwhelm, doesn't really matter what you call it, so much more prevalent in our workplaces and we don't acknowledge it. And I do think that that actually impacts our relationships and our ability to respond to each other in ways that are compassionate and caring and kind and respectful. And so I think that also contributes to these cultures that are not in favour of keeping mm. lots of nurses in the workplace or us doing jobs that, you know, we don't come home feeling burnt out or exhausted or having compassion fatigue or some moral injury around I want to be able to do this and yet my resources or my hands are tied or whatever is limiting me. One of the one of the things is too that you know we can be in a workplace, in a culture or some sort of behaviour going on and we don't recognise it because it's just sort of gradually creeps in. So it's like being the frog in the hot pot. So if the frog jumped into a hot pot of water, it would jump straight out. But when it's in there and you're slowly turning up the heat, it will boil mm. alive. And that's really what happens. And as... As the stress is increasing, we lose our resources. We lose our ability to reflect and to see what's going on. We lose our ability to reach out and ask for help. And so all of those things that I described earlier about burnout, you know, actually is quite common and we don't even know that we're really in it. And so my idea for the book too was to help people to sort of recognise sooner and to reach out for help and also to reframe anxiety as something that is quite common. And there is a certain level of stress that's actually quite enhancing. You know, you think about you've got a job interview, so you prepare and you get your resume ready. And But, you know, a few weeks earlier you might not be even thinking about it. It's like, oh, yeah, that's in a few weeks' time. And so we have to get a certain level of stress mm. to actually make us perform and so there's an optimal level of stress so when we can reframe it and not think that all stress is bad that that actually it can be good then that can be helpful too yeah yeah that's awesome i am um, we talked earlier about uh the uh, your chapter being available i'm um, so i will drop that link in the uh in the bio in the notes the show notes but they can also of course buy the book um and they can buy that from your website is that right yeah, so on my website, you can actually download the free chapter and um, and by all means, yeah, um, download that and then there's links from there to be able to buy the book in itself or you can go directly and buy the book uh, as well. So they're both on the 
I think it's under a tab called Buy My Book or something like that. <laughs> I think love it's it. fairly obvious. <laughs> love it, love it. Um, good read there. Awesome. So in terms of um, just to wrap up, I wanted to ask you, are there a couple of little steps or a couple of little tips that you could kind of share for people that are listening to kind of, um, you know, focus on building their wealth? Is there anything that nurses could be doing or exploring? Well, I do think, and and through my chapter as well, I talk a lot about it starts with me. So it is all about doing the inner work because you do the inner work and then you end up being so much more self-compassionate, self-kind, self-aware. You share that outwards to others. And so you feel so much better about yourself and you're actually doing a much better job. And then, you know, you can go and go for a job, uh, another opportunity, or, you know, if you have got an interest in your own business, you know, you might take take mm-hmm. that up. It doesn't matter. But basically what you're doing is you're really self-appreciating who you are. And in that appreciation, you can be fully expressed. And that actually makes you really happy. So mm-hmm. the benefits of doing that inner work are things like improved wealth, improved happiness, feeling like your work is purposeful, uh, better relationships, and I can't think of my other one. There is one more. <laughs> um, but there's, yeah, there's, I mean, and there's more, obviously there's more, but um, they were all the things that I noticed. Like, you know, yeah, suddenly you've got all of this going on. Yeah, I can so, vouch for that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. You can vouch for that whole um, experience, you know, when you start releasing your true potential and you start exploring that um it's amazing what happens you know so take the leap guys take the leap if you're listening and yeah. we're here to we're here to support you to do that um finally my final question um thank you so much for your time it's been a pleasure chatting to you uh there's so much that i'm so excited to go back and listen to this um i wanted to ask you what do you need to keep relearning oh because um, it's one of those questions, you know, Brene Brown asks everybody that, and I love it because it really makes you stop and think, what is it that I need to relearn? Give me some ideas of what <laughs> For me, I need to keep relearning that, you know, uh, like choosing courage over comfort, you know, let's stick with Brene. Like I need to keep learning that because it's so easy to step back, right? And just sit in the, sit in the, the comfort rather than the, the discomfort, and be all comfortable and warm and safe. Uh, so for me, that's something that I keep needing to kind of tell myself, among many others. Yeah, okay, cool. <laughs> I um, It's interesting, but on reflection, so joining the dots, I really can see how I've always been guided. And so what I need to keep relearning is really just keeping to do the... I'm going to say inner work, but what I mean more at the moment is having that time for self, like meditation, journaling, and connecting with my higher wisdom that actually does flow. I've only just recognized that so much more in recent times, and I am always being guided. So if I follow my heart, my passion, it's amazing what shows up when I'm doing things that I don't really want to, but I think I should, I get so drained. And so my body and this alignment and these 
feelings that I have within myself is telling me all the time. So that's what I need to just keep going there and building that as a strength and and that so that alignment. That's beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing. That's so so powerful. Thank you. Um, thanks so much for your time. It's been an absolute pleasure. I'm sure, and I hope that we get to do this again sometime. But uh, until next time, thank you, Lauren. Thank you so much. It's beautiful what you're doing too. And um, I'm honoured to be your guest on this show. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. I would love if you could leave a review and rate this podcast wherever you listen. Please feel free to tag us on social media and make sure you share it with your nursing peers so they don't miss out on all this goodness. Until next time, my high performance friends, stay forever curious.